0: Hey guys, this is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So thanks everybody for listening to the last episode on Black Lagoon. I had a lot of fun recording that. That is actually one of my favorite series of all time, so I'm happy that I could get that out there for everybody to see, and I, every time I've watched that, I slowly get sucked in. And it takes a lot of personal resistance to be like, no, after episode 7, I'm out. And I watched episode 7. I watched up to episode 7, however, for talking about it. Because I thought that was an important, like, point in the anime. And in that anime, this just kind of everything before episode 7 and everything after. It's a weird, like, hard tone change for the two characters I talked about it in the episode if you want to go check it out it's the previous thing in this podcast feed so definitely go check that out if you're interested but today will probably be a little bit of a shorter episode mostly because I don't have a lot of time to record this because I totally forgot about the thing I'm talking about, which we'll get to in a second, um, because I rented it on Amazon. And then I did, and I was very thoughtful of myself and thought, maybe I'll talk about this for a podcast. And then this thing popped into my head of me doing oh, uh, what's it called? Um, Black Lagoon, and like it totally floated out of my head. But I'm glad that I turned on Amazon and stared at it and then I watched it because it was totally worth it. And that thing is Shin Godzilla. So for those of you who don't know, Shin Godzilla was directed was I think released in two thousand late two thousand sixteen or so. We got it in two thousand seventeen and it's unique for a couple reasons, and we'll get to them as we go through this here. But but the first and kind of most prominent reason is unique is that it's directed by Neon Genesis Evangelion director and famed kind of former cultist Hideki Anno. And I I will make no bones about it and say that every time I watch Evangelion I tend to get bored and it, it, part of it's because of the kind of the, the extreme emotional tone of the show tends to be so extreme that it becomes monotonous to me and uh, I've seen other Hidekiana stuff and I've liked it just fine but I think he really outdid himself on this particular outing, Shin Godzilla. So, there are two main reasons for that. The first reason is that a lot of his monotonous, kind of obsessive, for lack of a better term, otaku-esque focuses in this movie are... Perfect for what it is. He has this, this this obsession with the inner workings of the Japanese government, and if you're not Japanese, as I'm not, it, the Japanese government kind of seems as like this impenetrable, immovable force. But if you, if you've seen anything like the Ghost, in, like the Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, or. Really, Ghost in the Shell, or Ghost in the Shell movies, you start to get an idea of like how the government, how the government of Japan functions, in a kind of fantasy scenario way, that helps you a lot when watch, watching this movie. You understand that there's ministers for everything instead of secretaries. Like here, we have a Secretary of Defense; there, they have a Minister of Defense. And the Prime Minister is the top of that ladder. And, but what you also get is you get that there's a lot of, like, favor doing and formality and, like, what you're supposed to do. Um, a good, a good American example of this is, um, I think it was last week's Madam Secretary. Yes, I watch American soap opera ETV, um... But there was a scene where a where one character go to uh like a new side, episodic character they introduce for that show, and they go, "I'm sorry, but this person won't be able to join you." And the the setup of Madame Secretary is that you're following the Secretary of State. You you're basically following a fantasy version of Hillary Clinton and her staff. And this is one of her staff members going to the support department of the... going to the support wing of the State Department and saying, like, you know, this person won't be able to join you. They they apologize. And the other person says, then I'll be expecting a big bottle of... I'll be expecting a really nice bottle of... Scotch from them, and the kind of main side character says, "But not too big," and then the other character finish off, finishes off his sentence and says, "Because it's the, because it's the note that matters," and that kind of form, that kind of formal informality, and understanding of. Well, these are just things that you do, and the way and the way that you apologize. These are the manners of working in the State Department, of working in the government, it is very much at the core of the way the Japanese government is operating. Before, kind of, almost the mid, almost two thirds of the way through Shin Godzilla, it's a very regimented, very kind of patient, very rule-based system, so, when the, so, I'm gonna get into spoilers, so, if you, if you haven't seen this movie, and you've been, like, how do I watch that movie, I know Funimation put it out, but I can't, like, I can't see it anywhere, it, like I said in the intro, it is totally available on Amazon for like four bucks. It's a it's a good four bucks spend. It is totally entertaining. Uh, it is stunningly shot, but uh so spoilers basically. Uh, so the deal with the government at the beginning of this movie is almost comical. There's this constant runaround of these characters who are, of A, the Prime Minister, who is a actually pretty well-known Japanese character actor, and a bunch of other different, a bunch of other different ministers of various things like... Like, um, like the Minister of Science, the Minister of Defense, notably played by Beat Takeshi, who is, like, just beat, who is slightly less Beat Takeshi than the Beat Takeshi who showed up for, who showed up and gave no fucks for Goat and Shell, um, but still very much Beat Takeshi, um, and a bunch of other, different kinds of side players and different people who run who run different parts of Japanese society. And when the movie opens up, they take a really logical they take a really logical approach to a illogical situation. So the way this movie opens up is basically an equivalent of the Holland Tunnel. Springs a leak, and we we as the audience are shown the leak as a crack in a crack in the a huge crack in the ceiling as the tunnel opens up while someone's driving, and basically blood rains from the sky, rains from the ceiling, and freaks people out. Now before we even get to that though, you're shown this. Like leisure vessel that's been abandoned, that's just like waiting in the middle of the harbor. And they show they show up at the harbor. The, the the Japanese coast guard shows up at the harbor, and they're greeted by an empty boat, which they find odd. And then they see a map of the sea floor, which makes sense. It's a boat. You need to know that stuff. Um, I I know. More than a little about sailing. Um, but they're also greeted by a pair of shoes. A folder. And an origami crane. And they're all like, huh, this is odd. Let's take this folder. But this is odd. So then, now we skip back to the tunnel. And... Between the tunnel... Between the scene in the boat... Which is actually the first scene in the movie... And the tunnel... We've gone through a couple different kinds of cameras... Which is... Kind of this first... Kind of this movie's first... Visual trick of letting you... Of... Showing but not... Of doing storytelling... But through showing instead of telling... Which really a kind of masterful stroke of the, masterful stroke on this movie's behalf. So through all the different camera camera types that we see, we see that we're seeing multiple perspectives. You see I think the for the first camera view you see is just a normal kind of third per, third person floating go camera perspective of a movie. The second camera view you see is a camcorder of the Coast Guard investigation team and then you see when you see the blood coming from the top of the tunnel you see it as I believe you see it as a iPhone video and then you switch back to the kind of cinematic camera and then at some point when a you're talking to. Th- everybody's talking to each other in the government building conference room. And B, you are, talk, and B you see you're seeing things that are, the movie that are just the movie as itself and less raw and used to give you kind of. Complete context instead of just bits and pieces of context that contribute to like the whole you, the audience, understanding a more importantly, more than the characters, all the character in the movies, all the main characters in this movie can, but B... Having just enough pieces of the puzzle to put it together before they do, this all leads to the i this all leads to you knowing more than the prime minister or any of the ministers that he's talking to in a boardroom do, so you knowing more than they do rather if I didn't make that clear, I probably didn't. I have a bad habit of that. But... What's interesting is that they... If you know just little enough to make... Anything else they propose possible... But also, you know... You signed up for a Godzilla movie, so... You know exactly what it is. So they run through a... Kind of... Small deck of possibilities. One being a new volcano, the other being an existing volcano, basically bringing a leak um, because they are on the Pacific Rim and Mount Fuji is actually an active volcano, so that's a definite possibility not a likelihood, but a possibility and the entire time you as a viewer are going back to no, I don't think a leak makes blood come out of it that's not how Earth works so they start to kind of there are moments when they erupt into a small frenzy, but no but nobody breaks composure. Nobody breaks the kind of status quo in this movie for a very, very, very long time. The the general public is shown freaking out in this movie, but most of the Japanese cabinet, with the exception of a few what I like to call Nicolas Cage-style mega-acting moments, don't have freak outs. They They take everything very methodically, very calmly, partially because they believe rightfully so. If they panic, then everything goes to shit, and that is true. But they also adhere to kind of the regulation of government so strictly that um, and remember I said spoiler alert so if you're listening to this and you want to watch Shin Godzilla I strongly recommend that you just go watch it by the end of the movie they are about 24 hours away from having a bomb dropped on Tokyo and the way that it gets there is that while they are trying everything they can to stop it, first they, the first phase of them dealing with it, is really just Godzilla coming to coming ashore. After they first realized, okay, this isn't a geological event, and then they realized, and then they believed it's a new kind of whale or something, which was not also clearly not true. And then it comes ashore. And once it comes ashore, we see an important point about Godzilla. Godzilla, in past Godzilla movies, especially the Godzilla versus series, has had a goal somehow, or he is vindictive. He's just a a thing unleashed upon the world in this movie. They get... Later on, they get to the point they get to who made godzilla and it was actually a former professor who who the boat that belonged to who made Godzilla and like set him onto the world as a result of i think American experimentation and because his wife died of radiation poisoning. And he had no, like, he had no recourse for it. So it was, like, a last spiteful act before, I think, he committed suicide. I think that's what the boat with the shoes was all about. But other than that, they don't get into any motives that, like, Godzilla the creature has. He is, he is... A at best, someone's giant house pet they unleashed. He is at worst, someone giant's house giant house pet they unleashed upon the world. And at best, he's just a he's a natural disaster. He is like an earthquake, tsunami, and cyclone all rolled into one. <laughs> oh, and a fire. Let's not forget about the fire. So as they're trying to deal with Godzilla and as they're simultaneously managing getting people out of its way so people so people are not harmed now he's just he's basically like swaggering through the streets of like outlier Tokyo and they're 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 trying to keep their shit together they're trying to deal with it and with this you're there are peppered shots of a of a up close Godzilla which at this point is uh, it's goofy it's goofy in a way that you expect having seen in a way that you don't quite expect having seen other Godzilla movies but it's it's just goofy enough to feel real and it 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 introduces this idea that you it doesn't it doesn't matter the way it looks, it matters what it's doing. So you get those up close shots where he's like brushing cars aside and his like gills are belching blood all over the streets. And then you get these really great shots that are wide shots of where he is or what he's doing and you see that it's still relative. that the problem's still relatively contained. You see like people going to school, you see peop you see like empty pools and you think oh this is and it makes you think for a brief second. This is over there. I don't need to worry about this. I don't need to be involved in this. This can be contained. This isn't a problem. It might be a problem later, but eh, that's later. And that is a thing that you feel in all the boardrooms and meetings about the Godzilla issue in the Japanese government. Because, once again, this is a... This is a film about the Japanese government... slipped in... Disguised as a film about Godzilla. So... You get this feeling that they all think... Like, oh, there's still time to deal with this. This is still manageable. This is manageable by the normal... Like... Realm of... Of Japanese society... Of polite Japanese society. But... A little bit after that happens, he evolves right in the middle of the street very quickly. And that's the first moment where everybody goes, oh shit, this might be an issue. So then they start taking more a more defensive stance, and they are less... they're less confident confident that the world is they're less confident that they that they themselves and that and that Japan as a whole and the world as a whole can make it out of this mess and after that before that i believe there's a press conference where they before they know what that it is Godzilla, they just think it's some sort of sea creature. They go out and they say, "Hey," they they have a press conference in which they have the prime minister puts on his like public service uniform, which is a thing in Japan. They wear like jumpsuits, wear these blue jumpsuits, um, and they hold a press conference and they say. There's no, there's no reason to be alarmed. We don't think it'll come come on land. And as soon as they say that, it shows up on. It's like just like barrels into a narrow river and like fucks up people's boats and comes on land. No questions asked. But now, flip back to now, it's started walking on two legs. And it is now a upright toddler-esque problem. A toddler's the size of a six-story building. And it... And here you see it, like, roar for the first time. And in your head, you're like, oh, that's its fancy photon laser breath. That That's what it will do later on when it, do, when it does that. But, after that, it kind of goes away, and they they have a great they have great moments in this movie where Godzilla is not present is' not present, and the first time but they make it clear that oh Godzilla's coming back, and it's and Godzilla will return in like a a couple date like three days, or two days, or a couple hours. So, at this point, Godzilla goes away. And that's when they figure out, like, oh, Godzilla basically has a nuclear reactor in him. Which is a really funny scene. There's a character who's introduced, and she's way less by the book. She generally sits in the corner and just like spouts truth hard truths about what the hell's happening. Um and what the hell Godzilla is. She's the one who is like, No, this isn't a whale. It's got like a definable rib cage and like arms and legs, screw you people. Um, but she she proposed the idea of like it's a it's a thermonuclear like being and everybody's like, that's that has to be horse shit. There's no way that can be right. That's not... That's not possible. And then... Like, a couple scenes later... You see somebody freak... You see this guy freak out in that moment... In that moment I mentioned before of Nicholas Cage... Cage me, mega acting. He takes his laptop and like... Runs through the task force. Then runs back... With another guy... With another guy running behind him. And he's like... Check it out. Godzilla is a thermonuclear being. And then he looks at the he looks at the um girl who said that to begin with. He goes, I'm sorry <laughs> just moves on. It's a it's a really funny comedic little comedic moment in just like Oh, we were all wrong. You were right. We should have listened to you like a half hour ago. And then, Godzilla shows back up. And now, he's... The first two times you see Godzilla... The first three times you see Godzilla... He goes from, like... This, like... Basically, weird... She-slug thing... To, like, almost like a toddler dinosaur thing... The second... In, like, the second two forms... Now he's in what they call his fourth form... And he is full-on giant tail and all Godzilla and he has like shown up on shore again he's just walking he's just walking nobody knows freaking where they think they have a good idea they think he's going towards a nuclear reactor for whatever reason but he's just walking not pay, Not paying anybody any particular mind Like, if you are not in his path, he will not step on you. (laughs) But he's just walking. And all this time, the evacuations are going like constantly, and they're constantly evacuating people. But of course, Tokyo is a huge city with a lot of people. There are like teens in the streets. And they have a great shot of, like, a shopping arcade. And just Godzilla's tail swings over it. He's not there. His tail is. And everybody's just like, oh, shit. That's that Godzilla thing. Oh, well, let's go get sandwiches. Which is this A thing about... Japanese society, a thing about modern Japanese society that is very true is that it has a kind of duality to it from the way I see it at least. Everyone is very focused on their part their part of the whole as in terms of professional life. But because of social media, because of the way the world is, there's an individuality to people and there's a tendency to ignore things that aren't our problem. That's just humanity right now. It's how America got itself in the mess it's in, it's how Britain it's how England got itself in the mess in the mess it's in. Is people who decided people a certain set of people decided that the problems of another set of people weren't theirs they weren't going to pay attention to it and then those problems drifted into everybody's lives in one way or another and so you just see these like, you see high school kids like oh shit and then you cut back I think to the government office and now they're like it's in its fourth form we need to do something and this is where they say they have like missile launches, the first of which they abort because there's a service worker getting an old lady out evacuating an old lady and This is important because this this sets up what ultimately gets them to make the right decisions down the line, which is that everybody here, regardless of whether or not they have issues making decisions, like the entirety of the government, or they, whatever they want to do with Godzilla, there are people saying capture it and, like, study it, (laughs) which is, of course, when when they first pose that, it feels impossible. But they all want to, they all want to save not just the country. They want to save the people in the country. And the, and protecting people is the most important. So if you get the chance to fire on Godzilla and there is someone, there's one or two people in the way, it's not worth it. Because it, it's it's not worth adding to the casualties that Godzilla is causing simply by ignoring people one or two people to keep dozens or millions of people safe that that's not a trade that the that the government in this movie is willing to make but what happens so that first attack is called off and then they get the chance of the second attack and it's it does. No, it does. It does no damage, and he doesn't respond, which at least is that. Because later on in the movie, he responds in kind, and it does not go well for them. Um. So at this point, they start exploring the option of getting American help, and you're introduced, I believe, to Kaiko, who is the. A Japanese American who's the daughter of a senator who uses her like pole in the world to get a meeting about this thing. And here is where they get the name Godzilla. The American researchers come up with um, Ameri- American people come up with the code name and the Japanese name is proposed as Gojira, as Gojira and i think it's interesting that the film explicitly from the explicitly says this thing's name is godzilla proper but the japanese name is gojira because godzilla is how the majority of people will probably know the the like phenomenon of giant lizard saying terrorizes tokyo um so i think there's a really interesting deference to american iconography there which is fascinating considering this movie's relationship with america going forward so first off they have americans go in and they bomb the shit out of it, basically. And Godzilla responds this time. And he responds with, like, his photon, his, like, photon breath, or whatever they call it. And they have have the best, probably fairly accurate, like, approximation of American military in this. Because one plane gets struck, struck down, they're like, payback time. And then the other plane gets struck down. And it's seen that everything is ineffective against this thing. And so now they're just the entire JSDF, Japan Self-Defense Forces, mobilized against this thing to to light it the fuck up. And it just that does not go well for them. They get photon breast. They get like crushed. It's it's not it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And at this point, Godzilla is massive, and they're evacuating people underground or to evacuation shelters, they're getting everybody out of the way. And then the government needs to evacuate. And they think Okay, we need to evacuate. They have very soulful we'll meet you at the other end of the of the tunnel, Prime Minister. You need to go in a helicopter moments. And then they launch another attack at Godzilla. The they have they the Americans help them launch another attack at Godzilla. And Actually, the, the first time was they dropped bombs on it. It was the Japanese, and that went fairly well, but didn't do a whole lot. The second time is the payback attack, when they used, like, fancy Blackhawks' Delft fighters. that The, Amer- the Americans used Hawks Delph fighters to bomb the shit out of the thing, and that triggered its, late, its, like, photon breath. and Its photon breath destroys... Tokyo. Not only destroys Tokyo, but in like... A random... Just the ran, the random path it takes... As the helicopter containing the Prime Minister... Is taking off... It just gets wiped off the face of the earth. Like nothing's nothing. And... That's the moment when everybody's like... Oh... We're screwed. But even after they're screwed... They're kind of like... Feeling that they need to keep their composure... Doesn't... It overwhelms them for a second... And then they like... Calm down... They start figuring out a... Like... I forget what they call it... I think they call it like a freezing option... Where basically they're going to freeze Godzilla solid. And they start figuring that out. But then all of a sudden. The Americans who. This entire movie. And I kept this out for a reason. This entire movie. Whenever they get off the call with with the president. Or they get off the call with American officials. Or they deal with. Ukako, I think her name is. They say they certainly. They're like second. Their first comment is, "Wow, they certainly make some harsh demands. How are we supposed to deal with this?" And then somebody says, "But I guess we have to." And that's a running theme for much of the movie. But then the Americans suggest dropping a thermal shooting a thermal nuclear. Warhead at Godzilla like just saying okay screw it this thing is huge after it finishes with Japan it's coming for somebody else plus we kind of had a hand up in making it so we want to get rid of it as quickly as possible before people more people figure that out and so very quickly you get to the kind of headspace that the first Godzilla, actually, by now you you're in the headspace of the first Godzilla movie, the very first one where Godzilla was the result of the basically American nuclear bomb on Japan in some way. Um, he is basically an, irra- an irradiated fish monster in the very first Godzilla. The I believe it's 1984 Godzilla. And you realize that Japan is <clears throat> being forced to allow itself to be nu- nuked again. Only this time in Tokyo, in 2016 or whatever. Or in 2016. And that's a big deal. Everybody's Everybody is like in the movie, including Utako, everyone around her, the Prime Minister basically says, we have no control over this, we can't figure out how to deal with this, but we don't want them to deal with it because that is untenable. And it's for this portion of the movie, it strikes a very interesting tone of, there's nothing we can do we've resigned ourselves to it. Yes, we have a backup plan, but that backup plan is honestly bullshit. It 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 i if it feel it feels like a fantasy when they're all coming up with it until they do it. And then Utako interesting is the, interestingly enough, it's a kind of narrative like Narrative tipping of the scale because she tells her father, "Like, look, I'm not abandoning this. It's it, I'm not going to. I'm not going to willingly say yes, nuke the the country where my grand where my grandma lived through the first nuclear bomb." And the and they show they show historical at that point they show historical images of Japan after after nukes were dropped on it in World War II. <clears throat> just, just to make sure that you get the visual message of no, this is what this looks like. This is what this looks like. This is the result of this. And the whole time they've been coming up with this, like, hyper-cooling strategy. They've been getting, like, coolant from all over the world, all over the country and, like, coolant coolant administration cranes and insane shit. And then they decide, okay, we're going to administer this plan first while he's still sleeping and then later he's going to wake up, obviously. So what they do to wake him up is they shoot bullet trains at him. (laughs) Essentially. Because he's like stepped on like a rail track so they just send trains at him (laughs) they're like fire the trains and like the trains come shooting full speed down the track and they wake him up and then they demolish buildings on top of him because those are the only things tall enough to like get the drop on him and then once he falls over and he's like mildly covered in debris, they rush up with trucks, stick, basically hose, they basically perform Novocaine dental work on him multiple times until his body breaks down. And through that, they they win the day, eventually. But the only way it happened is they Run! they run out of options following the rules so they there's a scene in before they hatched their Godzilla freezing plan where the Prime Minister says yeah, it's about time we just did what we wanted because there's a clock and if they don't get it figured out by the clock America's Launching the nuclear missile and there's nothing they can do about it. So it becomes it becomes a situation where damned if you don't, but if you do, maybe not. There's an, there's a not insignificant chance that you could succeed. So they by administering this plan, they freeze Godzilla solid, and they win the day. And the movie ends up being all about there's a time to follow procedure and rules and all of those, like, big deal things, but there's also a time when you need to realize the rules are are keeping you from getting stuff done. (laughs) And that's a big big deal f- for a uh, Japanese person, I started watching because everybody's been talking about it that on uh, Netflix original anime from Sanrio agresco and agresco is all about dealing with the fact that you have to follow the rules that they're the way the thing that they're the way to Japanese company life that you're ...trained up for and that if you're... ...that if you uh, go through Japanese school systems... ...your taught is admirable. And if you decide it's not admirable... ...you become... ...people see you as a hooligan... ...and you end up, like, living on the fringes of society. But as a result... ...it leaves you with this kind of crushing... ...like, emptiness and anger... In Agresco's case, and speaking just from like a personal perspective, I I identify with that a lot because I spent a long, long time trying to hustle at it, trying to hustle at be at doing like re, and did have some and did have a decent amount of success hustling and doing freelance design work for many years. I now work for my family business because I I got tired of people telling me, well, this is how it is, this is how it goes. And I looked for a way out of this is how it is, this is how it goes, because usually the first sign that something's not okay is that everybody tells you it's okay and in the case of Godzilla it is everybody tell everybody says this is the way well this is just how it's done and that should that was ultimately the first sign of well that's not going to get it done there's a character who what who basically kicked off everybody saying Everything all the time by saying "Let's get it done." And in the beginning, he means "Let's let's sign the paperwork, approve the bills, whatever." But in the end, he says when he says it, it means "Let's get it done," and that means let's push aside all the just stupidness and bullshit and save ourselves our country and probably the world. And that's a big deal because that that is him acknowledging okay we screwed up. We 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 screwed this up. If we had gotten our heads out of our asses earlier, we could have dealt with him when he was like a swaggering worm thing with two little hind legs. But we didn't and now we need to scrap and rebuild, and we need to. Demo- we need to destroy what is being destroyed, so we can basically stop the wrecking ball, and we will rebuild from that. And they have a moment in the movie after Godzilla defeated, and they say. Well, the whole cabinet's going to resign in mass, and it, it everybody who's left is going to resign in mass, and the current prime, the current acting prime minister is going to step down. And one of the characters just says, "Why?" He goes, "Because scrap and rebuild. We we're going to have to rebuild this country, and." that includes the government that people who people who understand that this happened and who are not too set in their ways will serve everyone better and that uh, it it is a really stunning movie for anybody who understands anything about the way Japanese society interacts with its own people and with the world and anybody who has the slightest interaction with anybody who is natively Japanese because there's a there's a politeness to that to Japanese people that only falls away in moments of extreme closeness to another person. It is it is, kind of almost impressive. But all of that, all of those rules and all of those Trappings keep are are meant a to honor people and to respect people, but they're also meant to help you get along and help you deal with society and set up and set up rules for what no one could be expected to deal with. There are, th- this, and this is true in any in any country, it's basically true of adulthood. You And it's it's falling away more now than it has, but there are rules, there are like, the way things are supposed to be, for example, you're supposed to get a 9 to 5 job, you work until you're about 65, 75, and then you retire, and then you live the rest of your life, The way you want to. Yes, you take a vacation or two. You start a family. But there's a path laid out for most people. And there's there's always a path laid out for most people. So, like, if you go to business school, that may be your path. If you go to art school, the idea that you... Starve a little at first. Then you make a little bit more money. And then you work your way up the ladder. But. At some point that becomes untenable. And it's it's a matter of time. Before everybody decides. This isn't working. We need to figure out something else to do. We need to figure out. A way to survive. Whatever's happening. At all costs. And the the characters who figure, who figure out how to stop Godzilla have a very all-cost, all costs mentality. But the important thing is that they make sure that they're still alive at the end of it. Because in the American, in the American idea, it was just, let's drop a nuke. A nuke will fix this. It's a very, like, push-button, fix-it strategy. But they they don't have to live with it. Just the way that you can say to somebody... Well, just go get a job. Yeah, but you don't have to do it yourself. That person has to go do it. Go attempt to get a job. And that, that is way easier said than done. Even in the best economy. In a good economy job markets are competitive. There are tons of people applying for everything. There are t- But there are also tons of jobs. So in a good market it's a 1 to 100 chance. In a bad market it's a 0 out of 0 chance because there are no jobs. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And th- this might seem far-fetched but it's it's that there are rules for how to engage with everything mindset that this movie sets up in the in the beginning and lets fall away in the, at the end that makes you really like pause and think about the rules that surround everything that are just pointless i when I was in in one of my more struggling phases before I just called a spade a spade and said. Maybe this, maybe this isn't my thing I had this fantasy about going into a job interview and in like a leather jacket ripped jeans and a punk rock t-shirt dropping my resume on dropping my resume on the table and lighting it on fire and just being like you want to hire me hire me whatever and walking out, and getting the job. What's funny is, in just about every interview where I had some sort of confrontation, had some sort of disagreement with the people I was interviewing, I was interviewing with, I ended up getting the job. And that's not because, and I don't think that's because I was being cruel <clears throat> or being mean i think it's because <clears throat> when you worry about when you go into something worrying about like all the rules and all the Michigas essentially you forget what's important because what's important it's like the rules of engagement or whatever what's important is can you get the job done can you can you bring something to anything that is valuable so the same is true in relationships in life does it matter that you send your girlfriend a valentine day gift In the grand scheme of things, no. Everybody dies. What matters is that you remember her day to day, every day. And Valentine's Day is a greeting card holiday cooked up by Hallmark. That is not wrong. But what's also true is that it's a day when you're told, remember this. Remember remember each other for a brief second. Stop texting your girl. Stop texting your girlfriend that you'll be late and show up on time. And she'll show up on time, and the two of you will exist together in space for a moment and be with each other instead of next to each other as you're with the world. And all that stuff is important. The rules, and trappings, and manners, and all of those things. Are meant to be amplifiers of that, not substitutes for that and on that note, I highly encourage you to go watch Shin Godzilla. you can rent it on amazon um it's I'm told that and so if you go and you see previews of this movie, you see these big red kill a kill title blocks for everybody those don't exist. I'm told that they don't exist anywhere. It's not just the Amazon version. They're just not anywhere. Um, So, I guess we are left out of that kind of, like, awesomeness, that visual awesomeness, but if you are interested in watching a, really stunning visual feast of a movie, then go watch the thing. But I hope you like this podcast it's probably a little shorter because like i said i don't have as much time um but i have been alex this has been lunchbox radio and i will talk at you next time